0: This is the Unearthing Art Podcast with Michelle Luminato and Beck Lee, where we dig into the messy reality of making art that matters, raw and real conversations about being an artist, navigating the creative process, and expressing our honest and sometimes weird selves. Beck, with all the stuff that's going on with Instagram lately, it's been a bit of a crazy time where they've made lots of changes again, and there's lots of us who have been disappointed and slightly freaked out, and I see a lot of artists really going... For How do I get more views? How do I do more reels? How do I do all these things that get uh, more eyeballs on our actual accounts? Mm -hmm. Um, Which, of course, marketing is super important and definitely something that we have to work on as artists. But one of the things that I really notice and observe in my own process is really understanding if it's a marketing problem that I have or if it's a product problem and probably coming from my product background i have a little bit of a distinction between what those differences are but i thought maybe we could talk a little bit about that today
1: i think you're right on on the money that there are different layers in the creation and the studio process and then you might be finding hitting different obstacles there and dealing with those and i know we're going to be talking about that a bit more in the future but then moving out of the studio when you're looking at selling your work, there are so many layers to this how we position it, how we talk about it, how we get our message out to the world, how we engage with the people that we do connect with, how you make the sale. Like there's just so many steps. I know from my background as a copywriter that um, writing that kind of messaging that the same thing happens where we can get really fixated and spend a lot of time fine-tuning the the offer or the wording or the messaging of a thing, which is important. That's an important part of the marketing. But equally, then you can say, well, I've got my website and I've spent the time creating the website and um, I've got the wording, but I'm not selling anything, so. Am I, have I done something wrong with my website? And it's not necessarily that. In that case, it might be that there aren't enough people seeing it. So that's a really long-winded way (laughs) of saying, yeah, there, there are all these different variables. So I'm really interested in this because I've, more on the marketing side, I'm aware of the different ways that aspects of that marketing can interact and how you really need to look at all the aspects of marketing in order to Um, Make sure that you're kind of getting the whole cycle, Mm -hmm. if that's the word, but then then you've got the product itself. And I'm super interested to hear about your product development background because that's not something that I've been aware of. And I think it's going to open up even more of those kind of variables that we can, that we might have a blind spot about that we're just totally not seeing as artists.
0: I think um, one of the, I mean, sometimes it is just more eyeballs, you know, that we need Mm. and that can be um, a marketing problem again. But sometimes we aren't getting the eyeballs because it's actually a product problem. And Mm -hmm. it could be that there's too many people who look too similar or in the genre. And you could be that you're just not really standing out and that really goes back into a product problem. And what I mean by that is sometimes, I think as artists, one of the, um, the things we probably don't discuss more, which I'm really interested in doing more of, is really looking at the people who buy that product from us as artists, they're collectors, and they're um, in the marketing world, I suppose. I don't even know if it's the marketing world, because I've known this term for a long time, but a lot of um, people call it an avatar, someone who's your ideal client. So let's just, for the Mm -hmm. sake of keeping it simple, call it your ideal client who would be buying your paintings. Um, they, They have certain needs and wants, you know, and ideally we create from this, you know, authentic place that's true to us, and so we want to find those kind of people who are really relating to our work because there's a million different kinds of people. I mean, that's the beautiful thing as artists. I think we can choose that, but I think sometimes from a marketing standpoint, we think of that person after the fact instead of actually working through it during the product creation cycle, which is what I think a lot of companies do, really good companies do very well, they're thinking about that person very much from the beginning. And so it's much more integrated into the product creation process. And I think um, that's the difference that I'm looking at in terms of how do we really speak to those people through our art and again it's really knowing ourselves and knowing who we are and what kind of work we want to create and really creating something um, that resonates with them as well as looking at who is going to buy our work. This kind of veers into the businessy side rather than the, you know, heart stuff which is what we usually talk about, but I think that knowing that they can kind of be merged together I think is something that is possible that I really want to talk about more.
1: Well that that's exactly what I was thinking of as you were talking about this because as soon as you bring this idea of having the collector or our ideal client or customer in mind and you specifically said in the creation part of the in the product creation part of our process, not just waiting until it's it's done and we're like, okay, now I'm ready to sell this painting or this piece of art. I immediately think, does that then affect this authentic process that we've been talking about? Because if you, it seems, it does seem a little contrary to talk about having an authentic process that's really um, from you, but then also to be thinking about other people and it and I kind of think of the worst case scenario, which I've experienced when you're in your studio and you're trying to make a painting and then in the back of your mind, you've got these little voices going, "Mm, is that the kind of, you know, is that the kind of uh, bright pink that is really someone's going to want to buy to put on their lounge room wall? Maybe I should tone that down a bit or, "Mm," you know what I mean? Like this interaction between thinking of who's going to buy and your own process. Yep, Yep. And I think it's,
0: it would be easy to see those as separate. I really encourage artists um, that I work with to really think about themselves as their ideal customer as well. I think that sometimes we kind of feel like they have to be separate. And when we're creating authentic art, I, funny enough, like I literally am always thinking about what would I really want to see, what would I really want to have. So in that in that context, I think that I am merging myself a bit more with that ideal client. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is there's there are people who pay money for the paintings, and so we have to think about like what kind of wall sizes do they have what kind like there's really logistical specific things that would be helpful and i find that really inspiring so instead of looking at that as like oh now i have to think about who they are you know i always look at it as an opportunity. <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> i like to look at it as an opportunity like ooh you know what could i do with this knowing this information does that make sense
1: that does and i think what you highlighted there is that it's easy to jump into a narrow way of thinking about um things, but actually what you're saying is that when you think a little bit more in terms of product problems and product creation as um one of the aspects to think about, it doesn't define everything about what you create. it's it's bringing it's giving it a little some level of thought. So, yeah. for example, um, you might be authentically creating um a particular kind of work and it's informed by your process and all that kind of thing and as the the outcome of that are really big paintings and they're not selling and when you think about it the the product issue might be that you are you know selling in your local um you know, like those open studios or art fairs, and you might just be in an area somewhere that has a lot of small living spaces. So it's a very practical thing. It's recognising... And, that, and then let's take that a step further. Again, you don't have to think about things narrowly. You don't have to think, okay, now I have to make really small paintings and that's, that's not what my heart's desire is, so now I'm feeling really constrained. A couple of different things can happen. You've talked about this, that problems can generate new creative solutions. So you can think about, well, what might it be like if I was to want to capture this work in a smaller piece? And that might actually shoot off wonderful ideas you might discover a whole new way of your work that you wouldn't have otherwise alternatively you might say no I'm really I, I explored the the smaller sizes I'm really about big okay so I have to adjust something in this in this equation I need to find a way to bring my product to a different market who do have scope for that so it's it, what we're talking about is identifying the product problem it doesn't this doesn't mean there's only one solution Absolutely. to it you can be as creative about solving yeah. that
0: yeah and that's where i mean you know if we get to market and then we have these big oversized paintings and we're living in an area that just they like physically don't have that wall space though that's just a mismark that's not you know something that more eyeballs on it could be if you're trying to sell locally and physically. Um, the beautiful thing is we do have the internet, so there's lots of eyeballs. But again, knowing those differences and figuring out, I was I like to really look at it as a opportunity and a and a challenge in a good way, not a challenge in a bad way. But like mm. you know, for me, what's happened is those things have spawned um, whole collections. And the other thing that I like to think about with this. Um, which we do dive into origin art, and we will be diving into even more, is really as a profit area. Because again, we're making art and we, you know, we're selling it. That's the context here. So knowing where we have profitable areas is really important. Otherwise, we have a non-profit hobby business. (laughs) And hobby businesses Mm. basically don't make any money. So I think knowing where you can have those little pockets of profit, but not in a like restrictive way, but more as an opportunity like, okay, here's something, here's a window. How could I create this context that would work for me? And what would I, how, how could I come up with some ideas around that? Like that's how my brain goes into overdrive and comes up with these collections around that kind of a problem.
1: It's like product yes, lines, yes, isn't it? That's what you would do in that in that product development um, lens. You would look at it as product lines, and again, it's about understanding what the issues are so that you're able to make better choices that work for you. Because being afraid of the of the idea of being profitable, feeling like profit is the opposite of true art means that you can end up being in more of a a pressured and like a desperate situation where if you're not selling things and you're feeling you know pressured about um, buying materials about having been able to spend the time doing what you want alternatively if you're able maybe you might have some product lines that are more profitable and then they can support Mm -hmm. other lines that maybe take more time to develop that they're a longer term investment they're more of something that i was going to say like a passion project but often those that's what we need to do in the studio to realize to make the big leaps and the breakthroughs that lead to something really different Mm -hmm. as well so There's a lot of nuance to it. I think often when we break these things down, we think black, white, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm an artist or I'm making a profit or I'm I'm making it for someone else or I'm making it for myself. Like, but there's a lot of, that's what we're talking about here. And that is why these kind of conversations I think are necessary to have in the context of like our podcast saying it's about unearthing art. It's about um, your creative expression yeah, it doesn't exist in a vacuum and you, we do experience a lot of disappointment and we are impacted if we're then unable to share what we create in a way that's in some way successful.
0: The other thing which maybe we could have brought up at the beginning of this is that selling art and making work that's like deep from your heart is is not a bad word like selling is not a bad word and sometimes you know when you hear the word profit i mean i don't know the old tapes play in my head of like you know it's not artists don't make money you know they suffer there's all this stuff and i think that um bringing to light that you can actually do both but getting really mm. creative with it i think is the challenge for us. And because right now, people really do buy art. I mean, I don't know what it was like a 100 years ago. But right now, people are filling their walls with art, you know, in a real Mm -hmm. way. So we're in a really great time for us to sell it when, you know, we're not dead (laughs) as in like (laughs) we don't need to wait we can do it now but i think yeah i think it it is more complex than it seems but knowing knowing that there's differences and knowing you know sometimes Mm. it isn't just the eyeballs it's the right eyeballs and sometimes it's the right kind of offer for those eyeballs and getting um Mm. specific with that and and using your strengths to find those opportunities
1: opportunities is a good word that's what I was just thinking about um what you're saying is that we can automatically double down triple down on marketing tools Mm -hmm. like oh okay I'm not selling I need to have more followers on Instagram I'm not selling my work um something needs to happen with maybe I need to do some dancing on some reels (laughs) Uh but understanding that there may be a, a mismatch happening between our product and the people who would be buying, who would be our collectors, who would be our ideal client. And we talked about if you have a marketing problem versus a product problem, I like the idea of also thinking of it as do you have a is it a marketing opportunity that you're missing or is it a product opportunity yeah, that yeah. you're missing? So because what we're kind of saying is if 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 the the product can be a bit of a blind spot for artists they're mostly focused on creating a little bit in isolation and then how to market that if the product creation is a bit of a blind spot then to me that says there's a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. there for if you can be switched on and so some of the product opportunities we've talked about like we talked about sizing Um, when you're selling locally, and then we said, you know, you might want to explore different markets because that's very possible now with the internet and internationally. And I think that's a common um, product challenge that a lot of artists are talking about as well is to have access to international markets. How do I manage my product to make that both profitable and possible? Because then you have like some artists working with canvas, and they and they are they going to ship it pre-stretched? Or um, I know artists who s- sell successfully overseas who you know remove mm-hmm. the canvas and, and roll it up. So if you've got an artist who exclusively loves working on board, for example, that can be really heavy in the larger sizes. And equally, there are artists working on paper who you can send paper overseas easily but then there's a whole do I frame it because I can't ship in glass or do I give it some other treatment so that all of that area is a product
0: 100%
1: discussion isn't it a product aspect how do I decide how I'm gonna treat my work so that it suits the people who I want to be buying it, and and, it's and how you
0: want to how you want to run your business. I mean, those are real choices that mm-hmm. we each individually get to make. You know, on do we like shipping this way? And those are the things that, again, like that's a product. Um, problem as opposed to a marketing problem like if you don't like rolling Mm. your canvases you know that's not going to work like you're going to have to look at something else so but that's where you want to look at you know what kind of product can you create if you're if you're working and you're saying look my my person I really want they live in the other side of the world and you don't want to roll your canvas. That's a product problem. That's like, that's something that you got to work through. Mm. But I think that that's where we again get. I look at it like, how can we get creative? How can we do it? And these are the things that I think about because, um, especially with my sculpture work, there are some limitations to how I feel that that is physically going to be shipped. And so I do think about that mm. as I kind of grow that part of my. Um, my artwork and how will that actually be transported and those are real logistical things and that comes down to knowing again what our costs are and all of that product creation expense that has nothing to do with marketing that's just you know expenses that are part of the product creation process
1: I think that's kind of what we're talking about as well how to see these things, as you said at the beginning, as things that are very, um, it's, it's its actually not a matter of whether or not we're willing to meld them. They're yes, already yes. melded. <laughs> the way these, these product things play out does make an impact. It's whether or not you're willing to be aware and take an active part in shaping the impact that it has, or whether it's just one of those things you're like, no, I don't want to really think about it until it becomes a problem down the track. Yes.
0: Speaking from a you know product creation point of view of larger companies, they definitely consider all this stuff all the way at the beginning because they would never bring to market mm. something that they could not make profit from. Like it's, it's literally not even... Yeah possible. So I think as artists we have to be a little bit more aware of that because in the end if you don't have money to buy supplies and you're not able to see profit from the time that you put into it. Again in the beginning sometimes it feels like we put way more time and materials into our artwork than we're going to get paid for. Sometimes that can feel like years. Definitely feel it. Been there. But I think especially as we start really scaling up, finding our zone, that's where we get to get really creative and really selective. Um, And I have had to make choices Mm. where I'm like, I love that's really cool. That's great. That's fun in the studio. But that is not a profitable idea that I can put my time into Mm. or my resources into right now, maybe down the road. But at this point, it's not really a smart decision from a business point of view. And I think that's the other layer to it is um, sometimes I think these things can help us kind of not take things so personally. It's kind of more of a business decision, a little more analytical. And, um, you know, again, if your heart and soul is into it and you want to do it, then you might need to look for a way to get support in another way, possibly a grant, you know, or something Mm -hmm. that looks different. Um, My business model is built more on I buy products, I work with them, I make stuff, I sell it. So that's the model that I'm talking about. But I think sometimes, again, it's making choices in that moment of what you can do. And then if you find that something's super exciting, takes too much time, takes too much material... I'm not saying like close it forever, just know the the boundaries of it right now and possibly look at that later for something that you can charge more because it takes more time, takes more materials.
1: You were saying before about with your sculptural work which needs kind of specialty shipping, it makes it more difficult to be something um that easily mm-hmm. travels far and that's something that you're working through. But that doesn't mean that you abandon that because I know you're loving that and and also uh, having success with that, people are loving that work. But does that then, um, is that why you think about having additional product lines as it were, different types of work? That's why you have more than just that particular type of work.
0: You know, I, again, I make what comes out, but I do know, again, Mm -hmm. the context of how far I can go with that. Um, I have some really um, heavily textured sculptural work, and there's tons and tons of little tiny pieces. They take tons of time, tons of resources, and so it's not something that I can put a lot of time into to make big ones. That would be an example of something specifically where I might do some small ones and sell them direct because that's a profitable way to sell those, but it wouldn't be something that Mm. I could necessarily yet do large ones at scale for what's involved in those. With my sculpture work um, that is local right now, local meaning Australia-based, I have found a way to um, make special boxes. But here's the thing, the other thing is, you know, because it needs special box, that's another expense that goes into that making. And so that has to be considered into the product cost of that and the time. So those are the things that, they scare me but it doesn't stop me from necessarily making it. I do definitely meditating and tapping when I'm feeling a bit stressed of like, "Oh my gosh, how am I going to do this because I don't I don't know all the solutions just like anyone else. Like I don't know how I'm going to make a box. I don't know how I'm going to ship it. And yet when I keep going, well, I've got to find a way, it just keeps kind of showing up, you know, and so I kind of work through that, but I do look at it and say, is that viable to do? You know, this is where I think product creation gets into understanding how to validate an offer and looking at that in the context of not only do you like making it, does your collector like collecting it, but how does that work from that financial standpoint? And looking at it as a test, as opposed to I'm gonna make a million
1: of these and then figure out if I've made any money. Right. Because I was just thinking that because you 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 said with your sculptural work, you know, it's difficult, but um, you're like I'm, I really want to make this. And what went off in my mind is what you said earlier about um, are there people interested in in buying it and So, validating with a few, I know that you, first of all, um, we've talked about in a previous episode, really had the start of this work show up, you know, probably uh, a year ago, and then you put it to one side because it felt a bit too hard, and maybe it was these kind of considerations, and then you, you came back to it, and then working at it maybe in a smaller way and there were a few smaller pieces and there was interest in that work and you had people contacting you and said and specifically saying i'd like something like this but larger so that's a good indication you're saying you didn't go and say no gosh darn it i really want to make these huge sculpture works i'm going to disappear into the studio for 18 months Make 20 of these and then, (laughs) oh, don't know if it's going to sell or not. So, you had those early validating tests, and it was a build of that product. And and knowing that, yeah, this that it really feels like no guarantees, of course, but it really feels like there will be interest. And then, you I think you've made maybe one or two larger ones now, and they've sold immediately. So, again that's more validation and and also testing of how you can do it yeah yeah
0: totally that's where it is that thing of not doing it in a vacuum but really understanding the nuances of it and when your collectors are asking you for things that you want to do that's when I think it's a perfect match because Um, I do want to create larger ones. So when they do ask for that, I'm like, yes, this is awesome. This is what I am hoping to do it. Now, how am I going to do that? I can't even let my brain stop there because I will be challenged (laughs) by the technical aspects of some of the things I have to do to accomplish that. And in all honesty, like those are real problems that I tackle in the studio through this framework that I talk about all the time. These are these are the, the problems that when I say problems, these are the challenges, problems, how whatever you want to call them. These are the things that come up that can either block us and stop us completely in our tracks, or we can just walk through it, you know, one step at a time and, and understanding. Mm-hmm. like. And what I find funny is sometimes... The how is revealed through a who as opposed to having to know all the answers yourself. So I think that's been something that I'm learning to embrace more of as well.
1: So what I'm really taking from what you're saying is that being aware of the role of the product of the the final pieces and also the people who are going to buy it doesn't mean we're not saying that means that you have to have that all worked out at no. the beginning at all, like it's not possible. So you don't have to sit down <laughs> right now after no. listening to this episode and go, oh, okay, what Michelle's saying is I need to have a product plan and I need to know who's going to be buying this before I even start. But one of the things to be aware of in that, like I said, like a it's like having a, an equation, mm-hmm. being a bit of a maths person, having an X, Y, and a Z, one of those variables is product so when you come against a problem in that process during the creative process and all the way through to the selling process you've got marketing you've got the product you've got the creative aspect you've got the profit aspect you've got the you know materials there are a lot of different variables so it's really helpful It's always helpful when you um, come up against a problem you want to solve to be aware of multiple ways you can Mm -hmm. adjust what's happening, not just to have one, not not for the only thing that, only way for you to respond is to oh I need to post more on Instagram. That's a really hard thing to fix every problem with posting more on Instagram. Not only that, but. We have zero control over Instagram,
0: really. I mean, we we do in the sense of, you know, yeah. it is our little space. But honestly, they change things so often that that's something that I really don't think about nearly as much as I used to. I'm really much more focused on creating a product that I'm really, really excited about that I know collectors mm. will hopefully like you know, in the sense of, like, they'll relate to it and and respond to it. Um, And then it doesn't really matter what Instagram does because when the right eyeballs are on it, I feel like it kind of just lifts the whole thing up in that sense that they they can see you amongst the craziness, you know. And I'm not doing any dancing pointing reels.
1: Yeah, the right kind of... um product creation process ideally creates something that that shines that stands out so much that people like oh that's like you say it stands out that's what I want that's how you get people contacting you and saying I haven't seen something like this mm-hmm. before or this really resonates with me
0: yeah definitely we're trying to again through the podcast I think talk about these different things in a really specific way and they are nuanced but they're all connected So they're all very much a seamless process, but we're really kind of trying to isolate each thing separately. But I think before we end this episode, just knowing that who you are, what you're all about is the foundation as always, Mm -hmm. and really Mm -hmm. understanding how it becomes kind of like a full circle loop, um, you know. And what I mean by that is, it starts with you. You create this product that people will collect, and when you can kind of include them in, um, and it's it becomes this mm-hmm. loop. It just becomes this really powerful self fulfilling prophecy. Is that too crazy to say? But it's yeah, you know, if if we're Not looking for them to collect our art, we won't find them. (laughs) But we also have to remember, like, they want to see us. So we have to find ourselves first. So that's what I have to say about that.
1: So we'd love to hear from you. Do you think about product development aspects of your art as much as you do about your marketing? And after listening to this episode, do you think there might be some product opportunities that you've been missing? drop by and let us know on Instagram at unearthingart. And as usual, you'll find the links to anything we've mentioned, including the Origin Art program in the show notes. Thanks for listening and catch you next time.